love that opener. That's, that's cool. That's the first time I've seen that whole thing. I love the exceeding great joy is our series in December. When the wise men uh, showed up at the house where Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus were staying in Bethlehem, it was because they had followed a star that showed them the way. And I love uh, how Matthew records this in Matthew 2.10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You know, the coming of Christ to the earth gives us all a reason for exceeding great joy. Not just in one season of the year, but every single day of every single year. And this exceeding great joy is not dependent on our circumstances. Uh, It rises above every situation And therefore, our exceeding great joy can't be diminished by anything happening on this earth. You know, exceeding great joy is not related to the health of the human body. Uh, It's not related to any government anywhere on the globe. It's not because of career success. It's not because of any earthly measure. Uh, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he came to save us from our sins. And that's the cause for exceeding great joy. Now, over these next several weeks, we're going to look at some characters uh, in the story of the birth of Christ as we get into this series, Exceeding Great Joy. And this first week, let's head toward Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we will look at Mary, the mother of Christ. Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read there as we get ready to talk about Mary this morning. Luke chapter 1, and as you get there, we're going to go down to verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, there are a lot of things that people will tell you about Mary, and and some of them Uh, are scripturally true. Some of them are not in Scripture at all, uh, which means that they're either false or or they're traditions that have been passed down through time 
that may hold a little bit of truth. Uh, for instance, some people think that Mary is equal with Jesus as a mediator to God. And that one's absolutely not true. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Uh, some people think that Mary is sinless. Yeah, that was not true either. Okay? Some people think that uh, Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born, and that one's in the true column. Uh, some people think that, that Mary laid the Christ child in a manger for his first nap, and that one is also true. Uh, there's this strange belief that both Mary's soul and body were carried to heaven at the time of her death. Yeah, that has no scriptural basis. Uh, and then you have a number of supposed Mary sightings uh, since the first century. And these folk tales uh, have been passed down in uh, villages and parishes throughout the world. And once again, there is no scriptural basis for Mary returning to earth in any form after her death. And, and so we have all sorts of information, some true, some false, some strange, some questionable. And, and that's why today we want to take a closer look at Mary's story and see how the Scriptures reveal the facts of her life, and also how the Scriptures reveal the attitudes that she showed. Uh, here is a woman so favored by God, so full of questions, so willing to follow God's plan, and Mary shows us the path to great joy for our own lives. And so the notes are in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along or on the YouVersion app. And we're going to take four scriptural phrases that show the attitudes of Mary this morning. We start with the phrase, how shall this be? How shall this be? In the context of Luke 1, uh, we just read verse 26 there, uh, the sixth month. And the sixth month uh, refers not to the sixth month of the year, but to the sixth month of pregnancy for Mary's much older cousin, Elizabeth. And, and the very same angel who had announced that Zacharias and Elizabeth would have a baby boy named John now showed up at Mary's place, where she most likely still lived with her parents. And maybe you've never thought about this, uh, but consider something with me. The angel Gabriel was so excited about the news he was about to give that he didn't even start with the traditional angelic greeting. Now, do you know what the traditional angelic greeting always is in Scripture? Fear not. Right? That's always. Fear not. That's the normal opening. Because when people see an angel, they are naturally scared out of their minds. And, and you can see this here in Luke 1, uh, earlier in the chapter, as Gabriel shows up to give news to Zacharias. First words, fear not, Zacharias. But Gabriel is so excited about this news to Mary that he started with, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And sure enough, Mary had the normal reaction. She was troubled at his saying, like ultra troubled. Okay, and I, I like how Dr. Luke writes this, though it says, uh, she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be, right? Let me translate what was likely passing through her mind. Ah! 
At least that's what would have been passing through my mind. Uh, Well, Gabriel realized that in his excitement, he had forgotten the normal angelic greeting. And so check out his next words. Fear not, Mary. (laughs) And there we go. "For, For thou hast found favor with God. And Mary began to breathe again. Uh, But then he said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now, now Mary was a great young lady. She certainly desired to please God and to hear what Gabriel had to say. But I'm pretty sure she missed out on everything he said after, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Uh, Yes, he said some very important things. The name, for instance. Uh, The fact that he would be great and sit on David's throne and reign over the house of Jacob with a never-ending kingdom. That's all important stuff. But Mary was stuck on the first sentence, and rightly so, don't you think? She asked, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Legitimate question. And I wonder, has following God ever left you with more questions than answers. I mean, if, if you're the person uh, who has to completely have all knowledge and all understanding before you make a move, then following Jesus will never work. God told Noah to build an ark to protect his family from the flood before there had ever been a single drop of rain on the earth. God told Abram to leave his country to go to a place that he would be shown later. God told Moses to touch his walking stick on the Red Sea so that the Israelites could pass over on dry ground. And the miracle didn't take place until after Moses touched his stick on the sea. And now the angel tells Mary that she will have a son named Jesus. And Mary says... Uh, how shall this be? Well, look what Gabriel told her. Verse 35. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And I'm sure that Mary thought, oh, well, that completely clears things up. uh, Gabriel's explanations probably caused more questions. So put yourself in her sandals for a minute and consider the way that she set her doubts and fears aside because it's guaranteed that she still had doubts and fears and questions. She didn't understand everything. Actually, she probably didn't understand much of anything. She didn't have even a fraction of the knowledge but she had the faith necessary to trust that God understood it all, that God had all the knowledge, that God had all the power, and that would be enough. So back to you. If you're clutching doubts and fears because you don't know enough or you don't understand enough, you can release them to the God who has never once been surprised, never once been dismayed, never once been tricked, and never once failed. That's good news. You know, Gabriel goes on to tell Mary about her cousin Elizabeth, uh, who was 
having a child in her old age. And, and then he says this, and it's so unique in verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I'm sure Mary still had questions, doubts, fears. But this miracle wasn't dependent on her. It was dependent on the God of the impossible. Now, I like what George Mueller said. He said, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. I love that. Faith begins where man's power ends. By the way, if you've never heard of George Mueller, he was one of the greatest prayer warriors who's ever lived. And I noticed the other day that you can get the autobiography of George Mueller on Kindle for 99 cents. And I guarantee you that'll be the best 99 cents that you will spend. Uh, when you read it, remember that the book is over 100 years old. Uh, Mueller died in 1898. But what a great man of faith uh, who believed in a God who does the impossible. And uh, what's, what's interesting is that Chuck Thomas personally knew George Mueller. Just, I'm just teasing. It's just seeing if you're away. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, he's always teasing other people, so we got it back at him today. Now, I want to look at this next attitude that Mary showed, okay? So, this is verse 30a. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, and look at this, be it unto me according to thy word. That's the second part. Be it unto me according to thy word. And this is a statement of her complete trust in two things. God's purpose, and God's ability to accomplish His purpose. Now, many believers struggle with fully trusting one or both of these things. Uh, have there been times when you didn't fully trust that God's purpose for your life was the best possible option you could choose? Uh, now, we, we do this, but why would we doubt that? Uh, sometimes we have this thing where we wonder if God's purpose is really what's best for us. Uh, or uh, some people just want to live under the illusion that they have control of their lives, right? And uh, by the way, that is most definitely an illusion. If 2020 has shown us anything, it is that we have no control over anything. And so we need to trust in the God who does. Uh, have there been times when you agreed that God did have a purpose for your life and it was good, but then you tried to take back control on the accomplishing of that purpose? Uh, you didn't like the path God was leading you on. You questioned why God was blessing someone else differently than He was blessing you. I remember <clears throat> vaguely, I vaguely remember about 33, 34 years ago, I went through driver's training. And this is back uh, when the driver's training car, and I, I don't know, I haven't been in one for all those years, but it had its own set of brakes. And uh, some of them even had their own steering wheel. Uh, but I remember it didn't happen to me, but I was with another kid, and I was in the back seat, 
And, uh, and he was driving, and our driver's training guy was six foot five and 350 pounds. He used to play for the Kansas City Chiefs. And, uh, and all of a sudden, we're driving down the road, and he took his entire 350 pounds and mashed on those brakes. And uh, that was before you had to wear a seatbelt in the back seat. <clears throat> and uh, man, I only weighed like 75 pounds, and my body was all the way up front. Uh, apparently, he didn't trust that this kid was doing very good at driving. <clears throat> and so he took over. And, you know, sometimes that's how we are. We're going along in life, and we're sitting there, and okay, God, you're in control. I submit to you. I love you. Take over my life. And then we see what's coming, and we hit the brakes because we don't understand, and we don't have childlike faith. Mary's faith is childlike. Yeah, childlike faith is, is such a beautiful thing. <clears throat> I was reading about a farmer that, who found a little girl, and she was lost in in his meadow. And the farmer <clears throat> found her and he said to her, don't cry, I'll take you home. And, and the little child snuggled up to him with a smile and she said, I knew you would, I was waiting for you. He said, you're waiting for me? What made you think I was coming? And she said, well, I was praying you would. And he said, you're praying? When I heard you, you were saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So what was that for and she looked up at him, and she said, I'm just a little girl. I was praying all the letters of the alphabet and letting God put them together the way he wanted to. Because God knew I was lost, and he knew how to put them together better than I did. And can I tell you that God knows how to put your letters together better than you do? He knows what ingredients that we need in our lives, and he knows how they should be arranged. And and we would be very wise to trust him. Trusting God completely with your life is childlike faith. And that's what Mary had. Real faith is simple. It's pure. And it is a remarkable example of how we should live. God, I'm yours. Accomplish your will in my life. Maybe we should just try that on for size right now. Wherever you're at, in your heart, would you say to your Creator, God, I'm yours. Accomplish your will in my life. I don't understand it all. I don't know how it's going to work, but I trust in you. Isn't that a powerful statement of faith? Uh, I just believe that if you say that to God every day and believe it, that He will accomplish His purpose in you. And that'll be the best thing that could ever happen in your one and only life. Be it unto me according to thy word. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. You catch that? Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Faith means jumping in with both feet and no life preserver not knowing how deep the water is. Uh, a lot of people think that faith is poking your toes in the water to test it and then waiting slowly to feel the bottom. No, faith is believing in advance would only make sense in reverse. And I 
saw earlier this year uh, some impalas in Africa when we were over there. Uh, and uh, actually, it was at a game park last year, a natural park where they were just running all over the place. Just beautiful to watch. And they can jump 10 feet in the air, and they can cover a distance of 30 feet. And uh, it's just beautiful to see them. And yet, these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in a zoo with a three-foot wall. Right? An animal that can jump 10 feet can be kept in with a three-foot fence because the animals will not jump if they can't see where their feet will fall. And faith is the ability to trust what we can't see. With faith, we're, we are free from the flimsy enclosures of life that we get trapped in through fear. And Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. Well, at this point, Gabriel's job is done, and he takes off, and, and so does Mary. She heads to the hill country of Judah to see her aforementioned cousin Elizabeth, who the angel has told her is six months with child. And when Mary walked in the door and said hello, the living person in Elizabeth's womb leaped. Now, you ladies who've had babies can explain this much better than I can. I mean, I hear from this pregnant lady I know uh, about the baby kicking or about the baby rolling or about the baby tapping, uh, but this little human leaped. And at this same moment, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke a message to her cousin. Let's see it in, in verse number 42. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence this is to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Boy, verse 45 right there, if you don't have a life verse, that would be a great life verse. Uh, that's an incredible life verse. And blessed is she that believed, or he that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. What a promise. Uh, that's an incredible promise of God. They had to latch on to that one. Now, I, I want to uh, move down and uh, see this next section. And uh, this is from verse 46. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. So this is the third part of the message. My soul doth magnify the Lord. After hearing these divine words from the mouth of her cousin Elizabeth, Mary expressed her joy in the great God who does great things. And, and she understood that everything that was happening to her was only because she was blessed of God. It wasn't because she was great, or it wasn't even because she was good. It was because God was great and good to her. And this next part of the message is often called, and it may be even in your study Bible, it may be called the Magnificat, uh, the words of praise that Mary gives to God. Look at them there, verse 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. 
And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He hath hoped in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now, I want to give you a second challenge this morning, okay? The, the first one, we already did it together. It's when I challenge you to express in your heart to your Creator, God, I'm yours. Accomplish your will in my life. Here's challenge number two. Sometime this week, in your devotions, as you walk with God, write out your own Magnificat to God. Express to God His greatness in relation to His purpose for your life. And if you get stuck you can borrow some of the words from Mary's song. Okay, but, uh, write out your own uh, psalm of praise, your own song of praise to God. And you say, well, I'm bad at poetry. It doesn't have to rhyme. Uh, read Mary's again. Hers doesn't rhyme either. Right? She just said what she believed about how great God was and how blessed she was. Mary had a nice visit with Elizabeth and Zacharias for about three months. Now, that's a pretty long family visit, right? Have you ever had, well, I won't ask. Fam when family visits, right, uh, sometimes three hours is long, right? Uh, three days can be interminable. And she stayed with them for three months, three months. And it, I'm sure they had a lovely visit. And, and then Mary headed back home. Right before Elizabeth delivered a son that they named John. And roughly six months after that, Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I think we know that story. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 now. And let's talk about what happened right after the birth of Jesus after the shepherds came to visit, after the shepherds spread the good news all over the hills of Bethlehem. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse number 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, that's not a phrase that we normally use, is it? Right? Do we still use that phrase much? Now, my wife uses this phrase because she's, you know, very scripturally based. And every once in a while, uh, the kids will say something to her and she'll say, I'm going to go ponder that in my heart. And uh, we, we could write a book, me and the kids, of her famous sayings that she says uh, that always we know what she's going to say. Mary kept all these things and pondered them. And, and here is this lady this young lady, really, who has been through so many life changes in a very short time. 
and she's so close to the situation. She's so close to the Christ child. She had carried him in her womb, and yet she determined to personalize the Savior born in the manger as the Savior sent to save her from sin. And as she reflected on God's purpose for bringing this holy child into the world, uh, throughout the childhood of Jesus, she knew there was something divine about him. And as she and Joseph went on to have children of their own, uh, by the way, uh, along with some of the other myths, there is a myth that Mary was a perpetual virgin for the rest of her life. Uh, it's not scriptural, uh, but in some belief systems, they hold to this perpetual virgin concept. Uh, but she had at least six children with Joseph, uh, at least four boys and at least two girls. And, and as Mary saw her other children grow, she realized uh, the sinful nature present in those children. Whereas Jesus was without sin... Now, can you imagine raising a sinless child? I mean, how calm would that life be? You don't ever have to repeat instructions, right? There's no fighting or biting. Uh, but I'm sure uh, that they had, you know, as the other kids came into the scene, I'm sure there were still issues in the home. And yeah, she began to see these other kids like, whoa, they're not like Jesus at all. Right? Uh, how many of you remember vaguely the first time when you realized that your child that was such a beautiful, pure little being was actually a sinner? You're like, whoa! Right? And it could be like when they're one year old. It actually could be when they're like two days old and they cry for no reason. And you go in there, you're like, what's wrong? And you check the diaper, fine. You try the bottle, nothing. They don't want any food. They just want you to come in there. And you know what that child did? That child lied to you. Right? And they're going to keep lying. You don't ever have to teach a kid to lie. You don't ever have to teach a kid to cheat or steal. They, that's part of their sinful nature. And, and here's Mary, and she has these, these other kids, and, and I'm sure there is, uh, as the other kids grow, there was some of the thing, uh, mom thinks you're the perfect child. It's like, he actually is. Uh, uh, you never get in trouble, right? Now, how many of you uh, are an only, your only child? Anybody only child? Okay, so you didn't get to experience this. How many of you had uh, a brother or sister at your house that mom or dad thought was either perfect or close to perfect? She's already raising her hand up. Was it you? Oh, it wasn't you. Okay, who was it? Oh, Josh, okay. Well, we'll have to talk about that later. Then probably not the best to do it right here in church, but uh, especially with the family here in the room. And uh, glad they're separated right now and got one in the sound booth and parents are over here. And, um, <laughs> but uh, how many of you truly believe that there is one child that you grew up with in your home that was the favored child, right? Yeah, everybody believes this, and it may be partly true because we have a sinful nature. And uh, the way we do this, get this out of the way at our house, 
is we regularly just pick on one kid who's doing something, and we say, oh, you're our perfect child. And then the other ones are sniping, and and then later we do it with that kid, and, and uh, once you, they all know that they're your favorite, then, you know, everything's good, right? And I don't know about that, but, but there's this sniping going on, and uh, she watched as Jesus grow, grows up, and, and uh, she watched uh, as Jesus begins to uh, work as a carpenter, and that is, he leaves home, and he begins to do ministry full-time, and she sees him at this wedding in Cana of Galilee. And she told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Uh, you remember she walked up and said, hey, they're, they're out of wine at the wedding. And uh, Jesus said, well, what do you want me to do? And she said, do whatever he tells you. And it was his first public miracle uh, where he turned water into wine. And Mary followed the news of Jesus as he went throughout all Israel uh, teaching and healing, and ministering. And one time, she even showed up with her other kids to see Jesus. And the crowd began to shout out, Hey, Jesus, your mom's here. Hey, Jesus, hey, your brothers are here. And uh, I don't know, uh, our kids, they got to this age. You know, there's, there's this age where they no longer are as proud of their parents in public. Right? Like, you go to the mall, and they try to walk either in front of you or behind you. They don't want to be seen with you. Uh, I love the innocence uh, of children when they, they're just fine hugging you no matter where they are, and they love you, but they kind of distance from you. Uh, and in some ways, it happens with parents, too, as kids become adults, and we kind of, oh, my goodness, you have a man bun. We distance from you, right? So, um, we... <laughs> I'm just teasing. I love that boy. Um, but, but we get into this thing where we distance from each other. And, and here they show up at this miracle, at this teaching, and they shout out to the crowd, hey, your mom's here. And Jesus uses this occasion to remind everybody that the kingdom of God is what really matters. And he said, who's my mom? Who are my brothers and sisters? Uh, he said, the kingdom of God and the people within the family of God, that's what really matters. You know, Mary went on and she participated in the gatherings of the first church. Uh, she was there as one of the mourners at the crucifixion. And Jesus pointed her out and spoke to her as he hung on the cross. She was one of the ones who rejoiced at the resurrection. Why? Because Mary, the mother of Jesus, not only saw her son alive, but she had a personal relationship with God through the gospel completed by Jesus. By the way, did you know that at least two of Mary and Joseph's sons became believers after the resurrection? And James and John went on to be human authors of New Testament Scripture. Uh, clearly, uh, James, not James and John, uh, James and Jude said the wrong J, James and Jude. And, and certainly the fact that their brother Jesus said that he would rise again and then did had a great deal uh, to do with them becoming believers. 
Now, do you think maybe their mother's faith also had something to do with that? I do. Mary was a woman of faith. She was human, just like we are. She had a sin nature, just like we do. And she needed a Savior, just like we do. And here's the faith challenge. If Mary needed a Savior, then you do too. Right? If Mary needed a Savior, you do too. Uh, li listen, let's just be blunt about this, okay? If Mary's works weren't good enough to earn her a place in heaven, you have no shot. Right? Uh, you have to know that your works won't earn you any favors with God. And Mary understood that it's only by grace that we have peace with God. She knew that the Christ child had come to reconcile mankind with God. And Mary personalized the gift of salvation. And, and the question for all of us today is, have you ever personalized the gift of salvation? That gift is for you. It has your name on it. Yeah, our, our kids love, I'm sure like all kids, opening the presents and and they'd get one of them designated to go climb under the tree to get all the, the gifts that are stuck under the tree. And they'll find one hidden up in the top sometimes. And, and uh, every once in a while, they'll pull one out. And all of a sudden, there's this alarm that runs throughout the house because the gift has no tag on it. Like, who's it for? Is it, who's it for? And they start to shake it and pet it. And, you know, they're asking everybody, what happened, and how did we get this gift under a tree that has no name on it? And then mom, will, well, that one's for everybody, or, or, you know, she knows, she always knows whose it is and whatever, and she always, for some way, she has this, like, sense about her where she knows about every gift under that tree, even the ones that are to her, and I always wonder how that is. It's like, what does she do on her day off when I'm not at home? And uh, is there a little bit of sneakiness going on? And uh, uh, Sophia was whispering to her at dinner last night about something where presents are hidden. And I'm wondering now if there's a tandem movement at the house uh, to beat Christmas and uh, to be early on that. But you know, the, the Christmas gift of salvation, it's got your name on it. You are what the Bible calls a whosoever that's what you are. You're a whosoever will. And the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, right? Whosoever may believe in him and not perish. Uh, later it tells us whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And, and whosoever wants Jesus may come and receive Jesus and, and Jesus paid the price for your sins through his death on the cross. And my hope and prayer is that you will take stock of your life this morning and realize that, that if Mary needed a Savior, that you need a Savior. And that you would come to God and say, God, I trust in you fully. Uh, I, I want uh, the salvation that you offer to all people and if we have these attitudes in our life that Mary had, where we said, God, 
Oh, whatever you want with my life, I'm willing to do it, even if I don't understand, even if I've got questions, even if I don't know how it's going to work. I fully trust in you. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you today that we could come and worship together and enjoy fellowship with people of God. We thank you that we could sing songs of praise to lift your name. But I pray most of all that we would take in to our hearts the message from your word, that we would ponder these things in our hearts, and that we would not go through this season of the year or any other season without thinking about who you are and what you've done for us, and considering how we can submit to you fully in our lives. Guide us now from this place. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.